Michael Soroka is back again, and on this Mailbag of Friday episode, I'll answer your questions as what is the ideal starting postseason rotation for the Atlanta Braves? I'll answer that and many more questions on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast, and I will listen to those. And if you have any questions, I'll answer them just like I'm going to do today on today's Mailbag Friday episode. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button, help support the show. Thank you so much to all the everydayers out there. You have absolutely been crushing it, especially on the YouTube channel here lately. The views are insane. We're almost up to 6,000 subscribers. I'm having trouble getting to all the comments. I apologize. I know I'm pretty far back on those at the moment. I will try to get to those. I'm going to have a lot of time sitting in a hospital here in the coming week as my wife is expecting uh, here over the next week or so. So hopefully I'll have an opportunity to get to all of those comments on YouTube. But thank you so much. We had a lot of you yesterday. Let me know that you are an everydayer. Ian Greenholz, and I apologize, YouTube switched up the username. So some of these are hard to read. So if you do let me know you're an everydayer, let me know your name as well so I don't get that wrong. Walker Houston says, you're the man. I love this channel. Thank you so much, Walker. David O says, love the show. Look forward to it every day. Thank you so much, David. Maddie G from Boone, North Carolina. Did some skiing up there a couple of times. Great city. Um, T. Sokalu Adventures. Found your podcast two weeks ago and I'm an everydayer now. Dogbone Jack. Blonders. Matt Taylor. Kyle Knapp. Maz. Daniel Brown, Wit Dog, and B Games. Also, let me know that you are everydayers. If you're an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below. All right, it's our Mailbag Friday episode. We have a ton of questions to get to, so I don't want to waste too much more of your time. We're going to dive straight into these questions. And first question comes from 2023 NL MVP Matt Olson on Twitter. He says, what do you think a trade offer for David Bednar and Jack Sawinski would cost? Well, Bednar has three years of control and is one of the best relievers in baseball. That alone is going to cost you a pretty solid prospect, probably one of the Braves' top prospects that they have. Sawinski has five years of control, and even though I know he's cooled off a good bit, I still think he would cost a pretty good bit. And I don't really know why the Pirates would trade either one of them. I know the Pirates are looking to kind of push through this rebuild and really start contending in what's a pretty weak division. So, I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what it would cost, but it would cost a pretty good bit to get either one of them just because of the control that they have left. Gus has a series of questions here. First one is, what do you think about Jorge Soler's success in Miami, and how much credit do you give Kevin Seitzer in turning players around within seemingly days? Seems to stick with players forever. Where is his extension? Yeah, Kevin Seitzer is great. I know not everybody believes that when the Braves are going through some of their struggles, but he does a great job turning players around. You look at Solaire in the season that the Braves got him, dreadful first half. And Solaire was a top prospect. He was expected to be a really good player, but had a dreadful first half for the Royals. Braves trade for him and just unlock him to the point where he's batting leadoff 
in the postseason. I think you do have to credit a lot of that to Kevin Seitzer there and really excited for or happy for Jorge Soler and what he's doing. Wish the Marlins weren't in contention, so maybe the Braves could trade for him, although I don't know where you put him right now. But uh, great to see him get going because he's always been a fascinating talent. But, yeah, I think you got to give a lot of credit to, to Kevin Seitzer and what he does with the Braves hitters. Uh, Gus also asked, Orlando Arce, is this the most incredible all-star selection ever? Wasn't going to be starting shortstop in mo most Braves fans' mind, and now he is the National League starting shortstop. So we see uh, cases like this every now and then where somebody comes out of nowhere, has an outstanding first half of the season, gets an all-star selection. We've seen that before. I think the question for a lot of Braves fans is, is this sustainable? And there may be another question in here. If not, I know it was a comment on YouTube and it's about Orlando Arcia kind of cooling off here. And uh, look, maybe that's going to happen, but give a lot of credit to Arcia, who, as you said, in many people's minds, mine included, I did not think he was going to win this starting job in spring training. And he did, and he's absolutely ran with it. And he's been a huge part of this lineup. So all credit to him and that all-star selection. I think it's well-deserved. And then another question from Gus, which prospect are you wanting the Braves to get. I'm assuming Gus is talking about the MLB draft. Obviously, the Braves won't be making trades for prospects at the deadline, I wouldn't think. Um, but in the MLB draft, I really have kind of come on with Ty Floyd here. I'm, you know, recency bias in that start he had in the College World Series. But when you look at the archetype for Spencer Strider and somebody with a high spin rate on the fastball, like he has and you play off those secondaries, I think he could be that type of archetype like Spencer Strider who comes in, has that, you know, doesn't quite have the velocity of Strider, but still at mid-90s, maybe upper 90s with that high spin right up in the zone and that low breaking stuff. I mean, that's really what plays right now. So I know Ty Floyd's getting a lot of push since that College World Series start that he had where he struck out 17 batters. And I think it's very tempting to take him. So he's somebody I'd watch for, I think, there's a lot of interesting high school players in that that area as well where the Braves would be picking 24th overall that I just don't know enough about yet. But as far as college arms go, really kind of coming around on Ty Floyd, who was just inconsistent most of the year at LSU. Same can be said for Brandon Sprout, who has big stuff, who should be available there. So those are some of the college arms. College bats would be Braden Taylor, Brock Wilkin, or some – big bats that might be available there. The Braves are going to go with somebody nobody, none of us are thinking of, but those are some of the guys that you know I wouldn't mind taking in the draft. Baltimore Braves fans, it appears the Braves are still letting all their regulars play every day without any days off. After what happened last year in the playoffs, are you at all concerned about the lack of off days? Do you think we'll see guys start getting days off in the second half? I think we addressed this last Friday's mailbag maybe, but I'll just reiterate the fact that I, I don't know. And again, nobody's shown me any data. I don't know if there's quantifiable data out there that says getting a, a day or two off in the first couple of months of the season keeps you more fresh and healthy at the end of a season. I, it's hard for me to believe that's the case. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing, especially if the things keep going the way they are, that in the second half, the Braves have this huge lead that maybe you do start to give guys a rest day every now and then, especially down the stretch. I, I think most importantly for the postseason, it's having players healthy. Yeah, the bats maybe had cooled off a little bit and they weren't great going into the postseason last year, but the biggest issue was the pitching and Max Freed being hurt and uh, Spencer or Spencer Strider being hurt, Max Freed being sick. 
Kyle Wright was great. Charlie Morton was up and down all year, so didn't really know what to expect from him. But the big thing there was just that Max Free was coming off a very serious illness. Ben Strider wasn't healthy. If those two are healthy, I still think the Braves, you know, maybe win that series. Philly was playing out of their minds at the moment, but I still think the Braves could have won that series if those two are healthy. So more so than just fatigue, everybody's going to be fatigued at the end of 162. I, I don't care if you're taking an off day, one or two off days in June or not, everybody's going to be fatigued at the end of a season. It's whether or not you're as healthy as you can be at the end of the season. I think that's more important than giving rest days. And, you know, obviously it's been pointed out, the more you play, the more chances you have of getting hurt. But I think it's more important specifically for the arms to have them healthy and ready to go. And I feel like the Braves have done a great job of giving guys extra days of rest, just like they did this week, while they called up Colby Allard and then Soroka to give those guys extra days of rest. And I feel like the Braves have done a good job of that this season. Maybe not on the position player side of things, but starting pitching-wise, which I think is most important when it comes to the postseason, I think they've done a good job of giving guys extra days of rest where they can. Next question comes from Smoke. I know it's way too early, but for fun, what is your ideal pitching rotation entering next season for the Braves, assuming no free agents? So right now, I would say Strider, Freed. Freed would be in his last year. Kyle Wright, hopefully a healthy Kyle Wright, Bryce Elder, and Michael Soroka. That would be my five. I know there's a $20 million option on Charlie Morton. I can't imagine that's going to be picked up. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Morton just rides off into the sunset after this season, but those would probably be my five right now. Obviously, what happens the rest of the year with Schuster and A.J. Smith-Shaver and others might dictate that, but those would be my five right now going into next season. Smoke also says, pipe dream, but what are the chances the Braves sign Otani? Um, I, I think I'd put the chances of the Braves signing Otani as about the same as the Mets' chances of winning the NL East right now. I think it's very, very slim. I just I can't see Alex Anthopoulos giving $500 million to a single player. Uh, I know it would be exciting. It would be great, and it's not my money, so I would certainly give it to him. But I don't know that it's the best business decision for a franchise to allocate that much money to one player. When technically you can say you're giving it to two players because you're getting a hitting hitter and a pitcher. But uh, just be awfully, awfully risky. So I put the chances at very, very slim. And then another question from Smoke: Do the Braves have a pitching lab? Not that I'm aware of. I'm sure they have, you know, some sort of, of pitching lab, but maybe not one to the degree of like a. Uh, a Wake Forest or a lot of college teams now have that because they can kind of write it off as a, you know, a science department. Um, and I know there was a report in February of Ian Anderson working out at Wake Forest pitching lab during the off season. So I'd imagine if the Braves had one, he would have worked out there, even though I think Wake Forest has one of the best ones in the country. So I'm not aware of a designated pitching lab for the Braves, but it's certainly something I think a lot of teams will be incorporating in the future. KT says, reaching here, what are the odds the Braves can make a legitimate chance for Otani and free agency? Already answered that one. I don't think they make much of a push. And then E. Goldie says, besides Otani, who is it one impending free agent you would like to see the Braves make a run at this offseason? What's crazy? I, I looked at the impending free agents this offseason, and it's not the best class. I, I didn't see one name on that list other than Otani that I really think makes this team much better than it is right now or will be going into next season. You know, maybe you make an upgrade in the uh, in the outfield. One name that kind of stood out to me was Teoscar Hernandez. I think he's having somewhat of a down year. Strikeouts are really up. 
uh, but still somebody with a lot of power in his bat. But I just don't see anybody that really makes a big difference and is a huge upgrade to what the Braves already have for next season. You look at maybe some starting pitchers, Max Scherzer, Aaron Nola, Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, Clayton Kershaw, some guys who, you know, perhaps could give you a boost in the rotation. Some, you know, guys who have been top of the rotation pitchers in the past. Some of those names intrigue me. Um, you know, if you get them on a, a one or two year deal, deal, uh, I don't think the Braves are going to be paying $40 million for Max Scherzer for one year. But uh, again, those are probably more of the intriguing names or some of the starting pitchers. And then Robert Mosley asks, rank these possible trade deadline moves by your perceived necessity. Bullpen, bench, infield, bench, outfield, starting rotation. I'd put bullpen at one. I'd put starting rotation at two. I'd put bench infield at three and bench outfield at four. I think the Braves have pretty good outfield depth at this point, especially you look at the guys at the minor league level, like a Forrest Wall, like a uh, Eli White. I, I feel like they have pretty solid outfield depth at the moment. I mean, you got Sam Hilliard just sitting on the bench right now. You got Kevin Pilari who's played good when needed this year. Uh, I, I said coming into the year, I thought the biggest weakness for this organization was middle infield depth. And, you know, Braden Shoemake, you know, you got Von Grissom there. Uh, so I, I think the Braves are solid depth-wise, and they're really not going to use a lot of those bench players. I've said before, I think Forrest Wall has a chance to make the postseason roster because of his speed. And you can use that off the bench, um, but I'd say bullpen, get another you know strong setup guy, and then maybe a depth piece in the starting rotation. Those would be my two biggest necessities at the trade deadline. All right, I got a lot more questions to get to, uh, so we'll do that here after this next break. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of a game, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than Fan, FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Also, visit FanDuel.com slash play safe for tools and resources to help you stay in control of the way you play. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Braves play the Marlins on Friday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Two of the hottest teams in the month of June try to finish the month with a win. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app Search Braves. Going to jump right back into the questions. Still got a lot more to get to. Houston McInvale says, It's early and he only pitched one game, but from what we have seen so far, do you see Allard as the fifth starter until Kyle Wright comes back? So you got... Strider, you got Morton, you got Elder, you got Soroka coming back. I think it's, I mean, Allard looked really good and the Braves traded for him to be that guy. I've said before, I think Schuster is the fifth guy and I think he's fine as a fifth starter. I think it's all just kind of depends on performance from here on out. And Allard's got to be stretched out some more. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think right now you can get by with four starters till the all-star break, and then they'll try to figure it out from there. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see Schuster get called back up or even A.J. smith Shaver 
after the break and they fill in that role until uh, Max Freed comes back. Max Freed will come back before Kyle Wright. Uh, when Kyle Wright comes back, it'll be a decision of, you know, is it Soroka? Is it Allard? Is it Schuster? Is it AJ Smith Shaver in that fifth spot? Um, but I think it'll all just be based on performance from here on out. And the way Braves, the Braves have planned it out, you can go with four starters until the All-Star break. Kirby Yates uh, on Twitter says, I don't think this is the real Kirby Yates, but asked a lot of questions here. Longtime listener, first time tweeter. In the pre- perfect scenario, the Braves win the NL East and get a bye. What does the all knowing Jake think their playoff rotation would be? I know there's a lot of ifs. Um, Brad Dixon also asked a similar question. Out of all the pitchers who have started at least one game this season, with all of them being healthy and 100%, who would you choose as your one through five rotation in the postseason? So, in the postseason, typically are only going to use four starters um, because of off days. Right now, assuming health, assuming everybody is healthy, for me it's still free, Strider. You can mix and match them one, two, however you want to. And then I still think it's Charlie Morton third. I know a lot of you are going to yell at me and say that, but he's got the experience. He still has dominating stuff that plays up in the postseason. I think you got to be very careful with him. But I still think he's my third right now. And then I go, uh, Bryce Elder as my four. So those are probably my four. Everything healthy uh, would be Strider, Freed, Morton, Elder. If Kyle Wright comes back and is healthy, then maybe you mix him in there as well. Um, but those would probably be my top four starters right now. And it, you've heard me say on the podcast before, I'm a little weary of Kyle Wright and the shoulder issues and him coming back. It's already looking like an August time frame. So hundred percent healthy. Yeah. Maybe you throw him in there. Uh, I don't know who you take out though. I, it's just hard for me to envision them taking Charlie Morton out of the starting rotation. And I know someone has suggested moving him to the bullpen. I, I just, I can't see that in my mind. I, I just can't, maybe you can, and maybe you disagree, but I think those would be my four starters right now uh, going into the postseason. Another question from Kirby Yates, longtime listener, second time tweeter. Should Braves look to add a bullpen arm or starter? Starters have done terrific so far, filling in, and talent is there. But with Wright being an unknown, would you rather pick up a solid starter or a bullpen arm? I uh, kind of talked about that earlier. I put bullpen uh, as my preference as somebody to get at the deadline over a starting pitcher. I think the Braves are, st- are fine starting pitching-wise, especially if Max Freed comes back healthy. I think that's a great one-two punch of Strider and Freed. You're probably not going to get anybody else better at the top of your rotation at the trade deadline. I still want to believe in Morton, and I really liked what I've seen from Bryce Helder. I don't know how his stuff will play in the postseason. Uh, and then, you know, you have guys – I don't really want to see Schuster or, um, you know, maybe Soroka in a postseason situation, but I still think having those bullpen arms, having those dominant bullpen arms, and it all depends if Yates and Jimenez become those two guys, then maybe this situation flips. But I think for now, I still would rather – go after the bullpen arm and then a starter. Kirby Yates again, longtime listener, now third-time tweeter. Where is Shoemake going to land with his number of AAA at-bats? I don't see him being better than a backup. Do we use him as a trade piece or as the backup infielder? If he has value in trade, I don't think they would hesitate to move him, but I like having him there for the depth. We know he's solid defensively. If something were to happen to Arcia, you could plug him in there, bat him ninth in the lineup. I think he'd give you good defense, and whatever he gave you at the plate would just be a bonus. So I still like the depth of Braden Shoemake, same as I said for Vaughn Grissom, because, again, as I said coming into the season, I thought middle infield depth was one of the 
very, you know, one of the weaknesses of this organization. There just wasn't a lot there at the upper levels. And those are two guys I think if you had to plug in and use them, you can. Now, I think ultimately, and I said this even when the Braves drafted Braden Shoemake, I think ultimately he's a bench utility player. Uh, if the bat does come around, maybe he has some years as a starter, but that's always been my projection of Braden Shoemake. And then final one from Kirby Yates, longtime listener, fourth-time tweeter. Does Arcee's mini slump worry you at all for the future of this offense? Seems like he isn't laying off the breaking balls away as he was before. Kind of alluded to this question earlier. It doesn't worry me because I wasn't expecting anything from Orlando Arcee, and he's batting eighth in the lineup. From Orlando Arcee, and I said this even when the Braves, you know, selected him as a starting shortstop, which at the time for me, and I know many of you who listened, that was a bit of a head scratcher because I thought Von Grissom had outplayed him in spring training. But even in that podcast, I said, Orlando Arcee is not going to hurt you because he's going to go out there. He's going to play solid defense and anything he gives you offensively at the bottom of the order is just cherry on the top. And he's given you more than that. He's, he's given you a whole lot of cherries on the top this year offensively. But even if he were to slump, like he somewhat has been here lately, average dropping from around 330 to 300 here over the last couple of weeks. Even if he gets more to a 270, 280 hitter and gives you occasional pop and he's batting eighth in your lineup and playing solid defense with what everything else the Braves have in this lineup, that's not going to hurt you. There wasn't much to be expected of RCS offense, at least not from me. And I don't think the Braves either. That's why they continue to bat him eighth, even when he's been hitting over 300 all year long. I don't think the Braves were expecting that much from him. And if this lineup's hitting the way that it should and everybody else is producing to what their norms are, then I don't think you mind Arcia hitting eighth in your lineup and batting 270, 280 and hitting you know 15 to 20 home runs and playing solid defense. Uh, that doesn't hurt the Braves, in my opinion. Corey Slovit, my theory on lineup construction is that Snit likes Ozzy in the two-hole because of the matchups. It gets Olsen. A reliever brought in to face Ozzy will likely – be right-handed to make him hit left. And with the three-hitter rule, that gets Olsen a right-handed matchup. I don't know that there's much to that. It's a good thought. I don't think that plays much into the decision because when Snicker originally moved Olsen out of the two spot, he put him fifth. So I can't think, I can't believe he was thinking about pitching matchups at that point. And I don't think that really changed once you moved him up to four. So I don't think that had too much to do with it. But I do like Olsen more in the four five spot. I think Ozzy in the two hole. I don't know how much that lasts. I never loved him there just because of his aggressive nature at the plate, which has been better this year at times. But again, we've discussed it here at nauseum. I just don't know that there's a great number two hitter right now, unless it's Michael Harris, but I like what he's doing at the bottom of the lineup right now in front of Ronnie large Lar, How much longer are they going to do without a legitimate backup infielder and three catchers? Well, not much longer at all because Charlie Culberson is back up with the team as was reported Friday morning, so Charlie Mort or Charlie Culberson is back. Chadwick Trump sent down, so the Braves do now have a legitimate backup infielder. Bellfire, how have we underestimated the value of Brian Snicker in this organization? Everyone always brags on AA, watches drills, and how great of players we have, rightfully so at all, but most don't mention how Snick keeps this group clicking no matter what adversity they face. I think that's a great point, and Look, I haven't always agreed with Snickers' X's and O's, particularly bullpen management. I don't know that many fans do, but he's been great. I mean, you can't argue the results, and that's why I thought it was a travesty that he didn't win 
manager of the year last year. They gave it to Buck Showalter, who blew an, a 10-game lead in the division to Brian Snicker's team. I, I think it was a, an absolute travesty. He didn't win it last year. And I know I did my first-half predictions yesterday, and I didn't give Brian Snicker the award just because I felt like this Braves team should be about where they are. Um, so it's hard for me to, to give an award to a manager of a team who I think is performing the way they should have. But uh, I know some of you were arguing that in the comment section. I don't know how he didn't win it last year. If you look at how that team started, and then he was able to keep things together and get them to turn it around and win that division and win 101 games, I do think we somewhat underestimate Brian Snitter because that coaching staff around him is so amazing. I mean, Ron Washington, Walt Weiss, Kevin Seitzer, we already talked about today i mean the coaching staff is amazing eric eric young i mean all these guys do a great job and the players are amazing and that certainly makes it easier but again i don't want to point out the mets but look at buck showalter i mean he has the most expensive roster in baseball i'm not putting it all on bug i don't watch the mets every day enough to to know but they're not winning games i mean so again i think you i think we do underappreciate undervalue brian snicker 2023 NL MVP Matt Olson on Twitter says, what do you think about the rumors of trading Darno? I think he's a key player. And Murphy from the best catching tandem, formed the best catching tandem in the majors. If we dealt him and then got Sean got hurt, then we're in a similar spot as the 2021 Braves with guys like Kevin Smith as our catchers. I don't think there's really much rumors to that. I think it was an article that Jim Bowden wrote for The Athletic where he was told to give one player for every team who could be traded. And I think even in that article, he mentioned it's not likely they're not trading Travis Darno. Uh, it's just not happening. It would make zero sense for them to do that. Jacob Duncan. Hey, Jake, first time asking a question for the show. Thank you, uh, Jacob, for doing that. If you had to do a midseason team awards, who would be your brave Cy Young, Bryce or Spencer? I'd probably go with Bryce, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. Do you go with the ERA or you go with the, the, the strikeouts? Do you go with the dominance? I think that's tough. I'll give it to Bryce just because I think Spencer will probably have more opportunities to win that award. Who would be our rookie of the year, considering we haven't really had any for an extended length of time? I'd probably go Jared Schuster. And I know I've somewhat, I don't want to say talked bad about him, but I think he's a fine fist starter, and I think that's what he is. But since he's come back up before this start in Cincinnati and he got sent back down, he's made some really good starts for the Braves and did some good things and has helped piece this rotation together and hold it together while we continue to wait for Max Reed and Kyle Wright to come back. So I'd probably give it to Jared Schuster. Leland Hurt, why do players pull their jersey tails out at the end of the game? I saw Stroman exit game Sunday due to blisters on pitching hand, and as he walked off the mound, he began to pull his jersey tails out. Also notice various outfielders do this at the same time of the game. Just curious. When you get home from church, do you automatically take your church clothes off? It's that, it's that type of feeling for me where it's just like you're, it's, a, it's a relaxed feeling. I don't know. Yeah, when you, you untuck the shirt and you kind of just relax when the, the job is over uh, or what you know, your work day is over. Uh, that's the kind of the same feeling. I don't think there's really anything else to that. E Goldie, in your lifetime, which Braves team has been your favorite? I'm older than you, so I have a soft spot for the 91 team because it was so unexpected. But this team is my favorite because of their joy and how good they are. I kind of agree. Uh, I can't, there's not a team that just sticks out to me as being one of my favorites. Um, obviously, the 1995 team, I was very young for that, but that was obviously a very, uh, fun team and uh, very, you know, talented as well. Obviously, winning a World Series, I'd probably say it's one of the iterations of these last five years. For what you said, I think it's just 
uh, the joy that they play with. Um, you know, it's easy to say the 2021 team because they won a World Series, but that team didn't have Acuna for half the year as well. So uh, I don't know. There's not a team that just specifically stands out to me. I think these all have been a lot of fun to watch. But let me know down in the comment section because it's a great question. Who's been your favorite team to watch in your lifetime? So uh, interested to hear your thoughts on that. I don't know that I have a favorite one. It may be this iteration. It may be the the 2019 version that kind of came out of nowhere to win. I thought that team was a lot of fun as well. But let me know your thoughts. Who's your, been your favorite Braves team during your lifetime? All right, got a little bit of news, some all-star updates, and Michael Soroka returning to begin a three-game set with the Marlins, who are chasing them in the NLEs. We'll talk about that next. Orlando Arcia and Sean Murphy will join Acuna as all-star starters. Again, what a crazy, crazy year for Orlando Arcia. And I think the Braves will probably get a couple more in as reserves. I got to think Ozzie Albies gets in as a reserve, maybe Austin Riley as well. And then hopefully Bryce Elder gets in as a starter. Maybe Spitzer Strider still sneaks in there as a starter as well. I believe those will be announced on Sunday night. On Friday, game one between the Braves and the Marlins. The Marlins trying to catch the Braves in the NL East. They're the closest team to them at the moment. It'll be Brian Hoeing versus Michael Soroka, as was finally announced Friday mornings. Michael Soroka will be making his next return. Uh, Brian Hoeing has been in the bullpen most of the year, made two starts at the beginning of the season, and now he's moved back in the rotation. And his last two starts, nine innings, just three hits, three walks, no earned runs, and seven strikeouts. Likely won't throw more than 75 or 80 pitches. He's not stretched out at the moment. Made a start against the Braves back in the beginning of the year. Three and two-thirds innings, six hits, two walks, four earned, and two strikeouts. So hopefully the Braves continue that against him. Can put up a big number on Friday night. And I'm excited to see Soroka back. I've, you know, I've said, looking at some of his starts in AAA, I still think there's a, some issues to work through there. But the results have been good for sure. And I'm excited to see him come back up, see what he can do. I think the biggest thing I'll be looking at is the fastball sinker command. Is he able to locate that fastball up near the top of the zone? Is he able to locate that sinker down and into righties? Or are those leaking over the heart of the plate far too often? That was one of the biggest issues when he was up last time. Those pitches were getting absolutely crushed. The sinker in particular had a 50% hard hit rate against it because he was just leaving it out over the plate too much. And it wasn't didn't have quite as much movement horizontal movement uh as it should have so those are that's what i'll be watching for with saroga that slider has been good all the time so hopefully that continues and is that changeup going to be an effective pitch for him as well to get hitters off that fastball and sinker so that's what i'll be watching for with saroga on friday night again it's the braves and the marlins at 7 20 p.m eastern two of the hottest teams in june saroga making his return return to the mound for the braves first return back Return start in Atlanta, so that'll be exciting on a Friday night. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at Shortstop Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 